The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The brain is our personal tool to keep us at our best and realize self-esteem. The mind, body, and immune system work together to help us make the right choices and to reach our purpose and potential. Welcome to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Lindsay and her guests are the go-to experts when it comes to relationships, sexuality, parenting, and wellness. We're here to enlighten and inform you. Now, here is your host, Lindsay Levinson. Hi, I'm Lindsay Levinson. I'm your host here at Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. We are on voiceamerica.com, and thanks so much for tuning in. Whether you always do, or whether you never have before, or maybe you just try when you can. But you know what? I'm really thrilled to have you here today, so that's what's really important. Today's show is going to be great, and we're going to get into the material and the guest and the intro in a moment. First, I'm going to do my basic stuff I do, which is tell you, can you please go and look at us at Facebook, which is Illuminating Now. It's all one word, Illuminating Now. And if you haven't liked the page, I'd be greatly appreciative if you would like it. And Twitter is at sign Illuminating Now. And become a follower. We've got good stuff going on. On Facebook as well, a lot of interactive threads and people are announced on the air. Lots of things that go on that really draw this community together. My website, qualityforlifecoaching.com. That's four words all together, qualityforlifecoaching.com. It's been redone. It's interactive. It has blogs. It has videos. It has iTunes downloads, lots of good stuff. Check it out. Even if you don't dig it too much, I would love you to at least have said you looked at it. So maybe stop by. But, you know, I'm available for consultation, and I can do that complimentary for us to meet for the first time. So if there's anything you're going through, guidance you'd like, strategy, thoughts on something, just someone to bounce your story off of, I am here and we can do that with a complimentary session for sure. That's Skype, phone, or in person in my local office. And I want to make sure you have the guest today and I want to certainly introduce him, but I also like you to take down addresses. So Greg Newton just like it sounds, but it's G-R-E-G-N-E-W-T-O-N, Greg Newton, MFT, like Mother, Father, Tom. That's all one word, gregnewtonmft.com. Take that down. So a press release went out recently, and so that's exciting. It's, it's announcing the astounding growth of this station and that the station's being renewed. We're 20,000 strong, and that's thanks to you guys. And the press release also talks about uh, who's coming up? Some New York best-selling authors. Oprah's named Ambassador of Hope, subject of her book that was recently released. An Oscar-nominated film director. Uh, this person's looking to change the world and suffering and doing it in some fabulous ways with film and some documentaries. So lots of exciting stuff. Check it out. Look on Google, and you'll find lots of information happening about the show, which I think plays a role in the growth. So these are exciting times for us. I hope that you will tune in. And this is part one of a part two series. So I want you to write on your calendar that you're listening today, but you're also going to listen again next week on the 24th. So today we're about to talk with Greg Newton. This is a licensed marriage family therapist. He has a private practice in the Bay Area here in California. It's in Danville. And Greg offers so much value He has taught developmental psychology and neuroscience for the past 17 years at Diablo Valley College and John F. Kennedy University. He has led groups for teens, and he's worked prior with Children's Protective Services. He has even specialized training in sexual abuse issues and including working with sexual offenders. You know what, though? Here's the thing. I've known Greg for over a decade, and that is because Greg was my professor in graduate school when I was at John F. Kennedy getting my master's. 
So Greg was one of my favorite professors and for a lot of reasons, but I will say he had an impact on all of the students. His communication skills are fantastic. He teaches with humility and confidence. He knows his stuff and that kind of leadership really impacted our class and our ability to learn. And so I feel really lucky that we get to have him for two weeks in a row with what he's going to share and the focus on teens. We're going to be talking about teens, a new day, a better way, and this is going to be good stuff. I want once again to name his site, gregnewtonmft.com. If there's anything else, he'll correct me when we do introduce him, which is about a minute. So let me say to my prior professor, to this prestigious MFT in the Bay Area, and to my friend Greg Newton, Hello, you have so many things to do. You're a busy, busy guy running a lot of stuff. Thank you so very much for making time to be here today and next week as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the glorious introduction. Hmm. It's great to be here. You're welcome. I'm really glad you are here. And we are going to dive into the material, and I want to talk about a couple pieces of terminology that Greg has offered up, and this is all going to be so interesting because understanding teens and what they're going through, it's, it's a generation like never before when it comes to technology, merged with teens, merged with so many things happening in our world. So, we, you know, Greg brings up the cyber bubble and hyper connection and sexualization and sexuality. And so, you know, where do we address even identity exploration when you're talking about adolescent development? So I think I want to start there because that's so key to the core of everything. So, Greg, how do we even define identity exploration? Well, it's um, the idea that we are always seeking to ask the question, who am I, you know? And as children, especially, and, and as adolescents, uh, we're well aware of the world around us in a way that we weren't uh, prior to adolescence. And so we start to compare and contrast and, and uh, uh, critique, really, everything around us. But in essence, we're asking, you know, who am I? And with every reflection, with every mirror, that image or, you know, reaction we get from others, we are finding out who we are in a lot of ways. And so we're exploring, uh, you know, our, our identity, our, our personalities, and, and like I say, how we fit in. And, uh, uh, you know, so it's a, it's a quite a process that we go through yeah. in the first half of life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And do you think there are healthy ways we're, you know, are we asking this to healthy people in healthy ways? Or is it just sort of random how people are asking or reflecting this question and how they're getting their data? Oh, I, I think it's very random in a lot of ways. And, of course, the people closest to us, uh, our families, uh, our parents, uh, real important people in our lives, uh, are most instrumental. But at the same time, we're also uh, just venturing out into the world in ways um, that we hadn't before and finding, uh, like I say, reactions to, uh, to us and uh, mirroring that uh, gives us some insights into who we are. So what are normal physical, emotional, and brain developmental milestones that we can kind of think about or consider for adolescents and young people growing up? What are some of these milestones? Well, it's a really challenging time to say the least uh, in a lot of ways the adolescents from ages of uh, 12 to 24 the brain changes in important and oftentimes uh, really maddening ways uh, to parents even to the even to the young people going through that change um, and uh, you know a lot of parents uh, get very anxious and fearful and uh, about how to deal with their own teenagers and understandably so uh, I think uh, Daniel uh, Siegel, who's well-known uh, in his work as, as a neuroscientist and neuropsychologist, um, he's written a book called Brainstorm. that's really wonderful. Uh, it's the t- subtitle is The Power and Purpose of the Teenage Brain, an Inside-Out Guide to the Emerging Adolescent Minds. And uh, it, it's a real helpful uh, tool for parents. But without having read, read something like that or, or taking the time to read it, um, yeah, the changes that we go through are significant and how we see ourselves in the world and how our capacity to uh, 
like I say, analyze things, be more critical. Um, and when we do that, when we turn that critical eye uh, outward, we're also turning it inward. And we you know, often are very harsh uh, on ourselves as young people and as adults for that matter. But, um, you know, the ways that we see things, we're, we're very much, uh, the basic idea with the brain is to keep in mind is what neuroscience is very clear about is that we're emotional beings who have thoughts. We're not thinking beings who have emotions. Um, that means that we process life and experience through uh, the senses, through the emotions, through our feelings, which are all a little bit slightly different if you were to take the time to define them. Um, but it, it, as we do that, uh, we're evaluating our experience through the emotions. And we're also intuiting a lot about life around us. Um, and then we're, you know, education and formal and informal for that matter are designed to actually help us to be more rational, to be more academic, if you will, about, about our lives, to interpret it uh, in, in, in ways that uh, give us a, a broad spectrum of, of, of ways of comparing. Uh, but as the direct way of experiencing life, again, is through the emotions. So when we're very young, or young teenagers, I should say, say 12 to 15 or so, we tend to be very impulsive. We tend to be uh, react to things um, and it's a very kind of down and dirty way of reacting. It's on a continuum from things that this is really exciting and, and uh, pleasurable to the other end of the spectrum, which is this is painful and scary or threatening. Um, and I want to avoid that. And I want to go towards the things that feel really good. And we're also, you know, have um, you know, parts of the brain that are really uh, focusing on, on the experience around us is you know, really looking for things that excite us, that uh, draw us. And, uh, and like I say, we, we go to it like a moth to a flame, but um, we don't oftentimes stop and take the time to calculate the risk involved in our, in our behavior, of course. You hear this a lot. Um, and after, say, 15, 16 to 18 or so, we're, uh, you know, we do start to actually uh, be able to assess risk better but we still have the what's called the optimistic or optimism bias that we it's not going you know bad things won't happen to us uh, right they happen to, they happen to other people right right and uh, you know it, 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 so you know we hear our parents you know you know admonishing us or or you know trying to trying to warn us about things and we yeah 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 you know we just keep on going because we don't really think it's going to happen to us anyway. Um, and, and it goes into every every aspect of, of our life, of course. Uh, so, the, and then after, you know, between say eighteen and twenty-five, um, more of the prefrontal lobes uh, part of the brain, uh, the last part of the brain to develop. It's an add-on, really, and it's um, it's really not necessarily uh, needed because everything we need in order to really survive, we've already learned uh, by that time. But if we develop, develop that part of the brain. That's also known as the executive brain. Um, it gives us the capacity to actually see things in much more complex, abstract ways that allow us to really uh, be able to, to think um, about thinking, but also to really uh, see things in a large context and explore the world of gray. Uh, prior to that, we tend to think in black and white terms. Um, and like I say, it's a, that continuum. This, this I like. Uh, this I hate. This, this is pleasurable. This is painful. This is um, really uh, exciting, and this is scary. You know, and it's you know, after that, if we like, I say, if we develop that part of the brain, uh, we have a much broader uh, capacity to to tolerate uh, the the mystery of life or the gray of life. Yeah. Of that, you know. So, does that answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like it goes, I mean, it, there's a lot to it, certainly, and um, but when you say milestones, it's a lot to integrate physical, emotional, and brain developmental, and it's a lot to integrate 12 years to 24 years, but you're saying it's kind of, it. there's chunks of years that are sort of, you know, we're in phases where maybe we're more willing to take a risk and don't even see anything around us to being able yeah. to assess a little more comparatively to getting more, 
grounded into what we have to stand to lose, you know, these, these phases and, and it's different for different people based on how their brain's developing, but it's sections of years sort of, is that true? Yeah. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. And it's, it's exciting. I mean, you know, what the brain is, what the teenage brain is able to uh, act on without, without hesitation actually is part of their greatness. It's part of their, their capacity to, to envision new possibilities that, adult brains uh, have shut off to. and so it, there's an exciting creative capacity uh, to the to the freshness of, of the teen brain yeah. yeah I would think that I would think so and I think that that's you know it's interesting because I can connect it to the thought and, and certain articles I know so many articles have come out and I remember there was a slew that came out um, not that long ago when I say that I'm talking in the last couple of years but about drivers and they were really starting to put some science behind. And of course laws have changed. Like you, you have to drive alone for a year when you're 16 before you can have friends in your car, unless you, unless you have a note that says you have to take your brother home from school. Um, And that's a new twist, but it's, you know, there was some, some science that delivered information, you know, about the real true capacity, for example, of a 16 year old, that their ability to, really assess risk or really understand certain things that they, they don't have a fully developed brain in certain areas in certain ways, like you're talking about with these milestones, to do risk assessment at the level that might be the safest way possible. So there's, you know, another year out of letting them not be distracted and certain things that can happen. Does does that make sense that that would fit Absolutely. right into that? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, 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 uh, you're right. It's a real uh, conundrum as, as far as being able to read their, their, uh, capacity from moment to moment almost because they can really seem to have it together for at, at times. And then, uh, like you say, just the next moment, you can't, you can't predict what they're going to do. So yeah, <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. Very hard, very hard for parents to, to stay in tune with where that brain is. But it, t- talk to me about the term hyperconnection and you know what does that mean it has an impact the teens lives well um you know that's a that's a big topic today uh, this idea of uh, being hyperconnected with our peers and with the world around us meaning uh, that we're we're so busy communicating uh that and we're doing it in impersonal ways through, through the cyber uh, bubble that we don't um take the time to actually think and we don't have the time to actually uh, be with ourselves and process uh, what we're feeling and or intuiting or, or to give it time to actually digest. And so we're, we're spending so much time, like if I have a, a feeling I'm, I'm not shopping and I have a feeling I want to purchase this item, you know, the first thing people do is like text, you know, to their, their friends or their, or their parents or something like that. I just bought a pair of shoes for $20. I'm going to get them, you know, and it's like, you know, we don't even really take the time to digest our experience, right? Right. So, yeah. So it's a, it's a, uh, I think it's a, it's a very interesting uh, time. There's, there's, a, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, the, the, there's some w- really wonderful sides to, to this, this connectivity we have today in the technology, but there's, there, psychologically, there is some real downside to it. The, the psyche, the, the, the part of our uh, of us that is what we call the psyche, really, which obviously means soul, um, and, and psychotherapy, as an example, is really the observation and the caring of, for the soul. It's the part that feels. We could just think of it as like the part that, that feels and processes so much more information than our conscious mind is even aware of at any one time. And this is what neuroscience today is showing that we complex uh, processing. You know, we're not just machines, but we're actually very dynamic in processing things. But when we digest it so quickly and it just spit, it just gets spit out through this hyperconnectivity of uh, texting, and uh, it's mostly the texting today because of the smartphones, and this is really changing everything about even how the brain wires itself, but particularly for vulnerable brains like teenage brains and young adults. Uh, this is the first generation that's really had this this experience, and I, uh, I think there is some things we need to psychologically uh, more from the, like you say, from the more depths of our being. Uh, we have to really be a little concerned about it. It's not all. It's not all great. 
Right. I think, I mean, that's, that's a huge thing that I, a huge subject. I've got a, a few categories of subjects that I have some pretty big opinions on. Um, technology is one of them. And while I, you know, couldn't, couldn't agree more that it serves us in so many fantastic ways and, and really with regard to children, ways of safety. I liked putting, you know, a cell phone in my child's hands or making sure they could get to me, they could access me. One of my children has asthma. I always wanted to know he could reach me if he needed anything or, or anyone with him could take his phone. And um, there's a lot of things that are positives, but I think that um, – it's, I think it's out of control. I, so I have opinions from different levels. One is we're not, we're literally not teaching the children, even at five years old. We're not teaching them. Now, I don't just mean what technology is. I mean what it does to a brain, what, that yeah. it's very much like um, it affects dopamine. It affects, it's, it's very much like addiction and it affects the same things. And, you know, recently I'm sure you, you know, cause it was even near your area, but you know, a girl, you know, sitting with her boyfriend, hanging out by, the train, you know, they go to leave and they hear the train coming. So they get up to go leave and she realizes she drops her phone. She reaches down to go get it. The train sweeps her up, you know, and, and, and I use that example as so would anyone else have reached down for their bag of meth? So would anyone have reached down for their bag of cocaine? They, w- they wouldn't have thought twice. Like you wouldn't yeah. leave something that you're addicted to behind. You, you just don't think twice about the train connected to what you need. Right. And so I, so that's just one piece of the teaching. I think we actually, we're the culprits of creating some addictions and, and you don't actually know it happened to you till you got older and you're already addicted to all these things. So, so that's one thing. And the other thing I, I think we should talk more about, um, and, and maybe we'll delve into, we're not ready for break yet, but we are in a couple of minutes, but I want to talk about what it is person to person versus technology. Like, what and maybe you can answer maybe before the break we'll just address that one question. What do you think about you know the connection person to person versus techno- technology being the way someone connects? Yeah, it, it's um, it's actually an interesting uh, paradox in the sense that we're again we're uh, alone together today, and so we're we're com- we're not we're too busy communicating to fully connect with the people who matter and a continual contact with each other. We're not even making eye contact with each other. And that is really, very important to how even the brain reacts to, to, to what's going on in your experience. Um, and so, you know, without that eye contact, it's, it's, it, it, there's, that actually gives the, each of our organisms the, the, the um, kind of the soothing that, that, we are, that we feel, not feel alone, but we actually feel connected. And so when we're so busy looking at this little screen in front of us um, and constantly just, you know, punching in uh, uh, letters and, and not really processing, it's very, very different uh, experience, again, for the brain and for, like you said, for our neurotransmitters, the biochemistry of the brain, how we regulate our, our anxiety, uh, which I would like to get into a little bit more after the break. Um, and, uh, you know, so you're right, there's a, there's a, a significant shift from or difference between relating to a, a piece of technology and relating to, to another person face to face. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's so much here. There's just, this is such a powerful subject and we have a lot to talk about with teens, but this in and of itself, this technology piece. And because it, teenage years, as you said, 12 to 24, are such a developmental time. And so to think of inserting a technological platform as the foundation by which these people will develop for 12 years of their lives um, is it's fascinating and, and quite concerning as well at the same time. And I think that again, just as you were talking, I was jotting down some notes. So there's definitely some things after break that we, I want to go back into directly from what you were saying and, um, and, you know, we're going to stay on this for a little bit. I do want to say, folks, we are on Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. I am your host, Lindsay Levinson. We do have our special guest, Greg Newton. Greg is an MFT. Greg has studied neuroscience for 17 years. Plus, Greg is a teacher, colleges. Uh, uh, you know, this is a man that brings us a lot of wisdom. We are talking about teens, 
It's a two-week series, a lot to talk about, but you are going to want to stay tuned because we all need answers with regard to this teenage generation. So hang with us, and we'll be right back. Thanks. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Museums are great places to work and wonderful places to visit. But are they essential? How can we improve our museum practice so that museums remain vital and essential players in society? Listen for Museum Life with host Carol Bossert, where each week we'll discuss timely and topical issues of concern to the museum community. Museum Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. are tuned in to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. To connect with Lindsay or her guest, please call in to the show at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to lindsay244 at sbcglobal.net. 
That's L-I-N-Z-I-244 at sbcglobal.net. Now, back to Illuminating Now. Hi, this is Lindsay Levinson. We are back. We're on Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. And we have our guest, Greg Newton, here. He is talking to us about teens and a lot of interesting information, a lot of important information, and a lot of relevant information. So we were talking about hyperconnection. He was enlightening us about the difference of person to person, what it is to have technology in the middle on these smartphones and texting and how we lose that eye-to-eye contact. And I think that, you know, we were both agreeing it's changing the development of teens. We, he, had, he had referenced the range of 12 to 24 years as some milestones that go on with this development in the brain. Um, Greg, do you think that, you know, when you can't make that eye contact and you can't see that body language, it's a whole different message, isn't it, really, than it would be if you were with somebody? Yeah, it, it's... Um you know, it's a, it's something that uh, you know we talk about with um, uh, you know the, the uh, where was it? I, I was thinking of the vulnerabilities technology. This term, the technology is the architect of our intimacies. Uh, a very interesting idea because it's it's um, it's technology is so seductive uh, with its what they call their uh, its affordances, meaning. Uh, it's it's what it you know what it offers us right and so it's it's most of, uh, seductive with our when it meets our human vulnerabilities and it turns out that as human beings we're we're very vulnerable indeed and and here's uh, where a lot of the formulation for for psychotherapy or psych, psychotherapists working with teens especially especially from a psychodynamic therapy uh, perspective uh, really come in and and can help us. Um, some of the things we're noticing is that we're lonely but fearful of intimacy. Uh, we, we have constant connectivity, but it only offers the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. Uh, we can't get enough of each other uh, if we can have each other at a distance in, a, in what amounts to as, as a form of control. And so we don't, we, this connection um, is made to kind of, uh, give us a, this illusion of control and the illusion of something that we can uh, have in the world of efficiency, in the world of work, uh, work world, especially too as adults, uh, and, and how it affects uh, our our intimacies as a, as a consequence. We're like getting so bottom line oriented for one thing, and uh, yeah. so we just you know we don't have to take the time once again to to really interface um, and and just hang out together and sense each other and feel each other and explore each other's emotional world, which is far richer in some ways than just the bottom line world of communication. Right. Right. I I think what you've said is so, so valuable. And, And I, and again, and I'm learning as we're talking, I mean, just listening to you say things, I'm really applying it to people I know. And and but you know that whole state that we're in because this isn't um, my, while this is a show on teens, boy, we're proving general generationally, it's growing into adulthood because this is the way it is. As we have all these technologies, it's becoming. I I have been known to say that I think it, this contributes to hugely to actually divorce and to hugely. War and so some people look at me funny and they're like, "What? <laughs> Wait, what? What did you just say?" <laughs> and and I say because in childhood we are we are actually stunting the brain's ability to understand certain parts of emotional growth. Emotional growth is critical to understand how to get through a conflict or have a endearing moment or work through what might be a crisis or bond through tragedy. There's things that we go through in life, but if we do it through technology or even worse yet, we don't do it like so-and-so asks so-and-so out, so-and-so breaks up. So, you know, we do these things. We don't want to be rejected, so we do it kind of behind a screen. If we don't like it, we can just say something mean over the text, or we can even turn off our phone. That's really mean. Just go silent. And so I say as we do the same with video games, a lot of death, a lot of killing, a lot of this, and the kids are, ki- you know, killing time 
with these things where there's no real community. The communicators are the people on the screen and my guy's going to kill yours just a second. Ah, I blew yours up. So then you get to adulthood and there's a crisis at the work, in your personal life, in your relationship. It gets very difficult to know how it's not even your fault. It's just, it's not logged in your brain anywhere. There was no development in that area about emotional movement through connection, confrontation, conflict, controversy. So, so we just do something bold and drastic to, you know, protect ourselves. And so that, again, divorces, that sounds like the right answer. There's no yes or no. It's just it's over. And, and, and that would speak to war as well. I mean, I think it's, it's at a global level. This is my concern, at least. I'll just say that. It's my concern. Um, well, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I love where you're going with that because it gets into a very uh, broad view of humanity and what human beings, how we're constructed and how – uh, we then try to adapt to this this propensity for um, tr- uh, for survival or kind of a survival mode where we get, where we're, anxiety uh, tends to overrule uh, all of our our thoughts and behavior and uh, and then we don't ever drop into a place of uh, where we can process that or learn how to be with our anxiety and have our anxiety. But our anxiety is driving and having us and pushing us addictively, like you said earlier, um, towards behavior that then becomes maladaptive. That's right. That's right. And I, I, two things come to mind. I mean, one is I was thinking about when I was a teenager. Okay, so I have this great, I mean, I have this great set of parents. They're still married 57 years, my best friends. And, and I'm one of those people who have, happen to live a great life. But you know, I had my teenage times too, and I'll never forget one day I was mad. I know exactly what they did that pissed me off, and I ran away. I said, I'm running away, you know, so I went, it was to a friend's house or whatever, but I was going to make a point to them, you know, and I stayed away for hours and hours and hours, and I knew they were, like, completely stressed out about it, and, you know, but I'll never forget, there was this runaway hotline thing that you called, and then they would call your parents, or they would call, and then you would give messages back and forth through till you could feel comfortable enough to maybe get on the phone, talk and say, well, I'll come home if you understand that this is what upset me. Okay. You know, we want you home. And, you know, I'm thinking about back in the time, it's only one generation ago. I couldn't text. I'm not coming too bad for you. La la la. You know, like even today, you know, at this moment, my parents have iPhones. If I was going to run away, maybe I would text them, but you know, it's like, that was not an option. And I came home that night, like we worked it out, you know, and it took communication and we had the capabilities and we learned the capabilities, you know, things we didn't have, we learned by the end of that experience. And so there's things like that. And I will also say on March 26th of, of this year, I did a show called anticipation is the new calm. And it had a lot to do with this technology stuff. And I say anticipation is the new calm. If you follow that is that we just, what you just said about anxiety we are actually, we stay calmer if we know something's coming. We wait for email. We wait for text. We wait for, you know, whatever, um, you know, the Instagram, that picture, Facebook, Twitter. We, you know, all these things are coming, ding dong, ping pong. We, you know, things are happening everywhere. And I even talk about, like, if a, if a driver's driving and they put their phone on the seat, but they hear a buzz, but they know they can't read it. The anxiety, though, you know, like, so either, you know, you've got to get to that and read it. You don't know what might happen in the world if you don't read it for the hour you're driving. And so that, but if, but if nothing comes, like if someone took us and put us on a remote island for one week and said, leave all your technology behind, we'd have an anxiety attack because, yeah, right. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What you're saying is actually, they've actually called it phantom limb uh, syndrome. It, it's like, you know, it, it's like if we, it's, if the kids, the teenagers even saying if they have their phone in their locker, that they know that they're getting a message at, at a particular moment. And, and <laughs> it's like they, it, it, it's like they have to have it. Like you say that this girl had reached down and get hit by the train. You know, they have to have this. It's an appendage. And when they don't, they don't have it. They sense that something's going on with it, that they need, need to get to it. Almost like a, like, like a, like a parent to a baby. <laughs> that, that's uh, absolutely right. I love that. I mean, I never, I've certainly heard of phantom limb and never heard it used that way. So what a perfect analogy because um, it, it is, is so true as what we're waiting for. And we can get depressed 
not because someone wrote something mean, but just we just didn't get anything. I'm looking on Facebook. No one's liked my picture. I, I, I looked at my email. I don't have anything. No one's texted me in the last hour. I didn't, I, I didn't get an Instagram. You know, whatever it is, we actually start to, like you said, what you were talking yeah. about, that whole lonely and like we need to be constantly in connection and yet we're really not intimately, truly connected. It's from afar, but it keeps us kind of alive and ticking and breathing and moving and shaking because something's coming and we're waiting and we look. And but it's but it's an illusion. It's an illusion. Right. Yeah. And, well, most of life is uh, unfortunately. It's that's bad news for most people. But um, when you study the the cutting edge of, of things, uh, when you bring quantum physics in and uh, what all the masters, the great masters that have walked the, walked the earth, you know, have weighed in on, uh, most of the things are illusion, and that gives human being great anxiety. In fact, you brought up another point there that I really want to touch on real quick, is that things like depression and uh, oppositional defiant behavior, even attention deficit disorders, and certainly all of the addictions, not just substance addiction, but also process addiction, whether it's video games or internet porn or just having to be on the internet or workaholism or gambling or retail therapy or, um, you know, just uh, playing too much golf. <laughs> you know, <laughs> these things can all become uh, maladaptive and, and addictive as a way to avoid uh, and distract us from our anxiety. Because the way the brain is you know, formulated, real quick synopsis for most people that may have heard this, but if you use, if you clench your fists together and you look at the bottom of your palm, that's the lower brain, that's the, 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 the brain stem, the reptilian brain. And that's, its purpose is to make sure that we survive as an organism. So it's reading, it's like, like a, um, uh, a, um, uh, early warning system that's reading the environment, and when it's you know senses any kind of threat or something that's painful, it sounds the alarms. And what happens is the higher regions of the brain get hijacked, and they what then when the, when that happens, well, it gets hijacked because we get flooded with cortisol and adrenaline from the adrenals because the signal from the lower brain is telling 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 the system and telling the adrenals that we need to be on hyper alert and we need to be in fight or flight or freeze uh, in order to survive. And when that happens, we, you know, over and over and over again, um, we, we don't, we either get overwhelmed, we, we feel, which a lot of people do today. And, and then they want, they, they think they're, you know, something's wrong with them. And so they go maybe to uh, get medication or they start using street drugs. or Like a lot of teenagers, they start finding marijuana and they start lighting up every day and as a way to self-soothe and to manage this anxiety. Or they're on video games tirelessly, 12 hours at a time, you know, as a way to self-soothe. Or there's hyper-connectivity as a way to self-soothe that anxiety come in. And... It, 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 what happens is we don't get to really learn how to manage or to be with our anxiety and actually learn how to soothe that. Um, and that's really, really important work that I do with teaching my, my uh, clients and um, teenagers and adults alike, for that matter, um, how to manage that. And that's something that I, I have a daily practice of myself. Uh, I, and I think it's essential. Um, so, you know, it's it's uh, controversial to say sometimes what I just said about anxiety being this the the core of who you know of of how our system, how our organism reacts to life, and that all the the things I mentioned like depression and so forth are an adaptation to that anxiety, uh, because a lot of people tend to think of it as just being biochemical and so forth rather than as uh, realizing that our biochemistry is determined by our perception of our world around us. And the word perception means an awareness of the environment through our senses. Um, so you know, it, it's learning about ourselves and, and seeing that we're really uh, very complex, very uh, sensitive, vulnerable beings, and that once we can get the hang of that um, and actually learn to be comfortable in our discomfort, uh, that we can really, uh, I think, thrive then. But uh, before that, I think we spend a lot of time uh, you know, trying to self-medicate and self-soothe that are, and like I say, are either dysfunctional or maladaptive. 
Right. Right. You know, the hour flies by. I, I do have some closing things I have to do for this show, and I am super glad you're coming back because I feel like we're on the tip of a lot of things, and I'm going to talk a little bit about to the listeners about what some of our focus will be next week, but we didn't even get through everything here, and we might have some time to <laughs> dig into a couple more things. Um, I So I want to thank you. I just want to start by doing that and kind of moving into some of these closing things. But thank you so very much for being on the show today and being here next week for this two-part series. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's really been a pleasure. Yeah. You're, you're welcome. I'm really thrilled you're here. And I know you're going to hang with me as I still move through the end, but I wanted to make sure and get the thank you in. So I, I want to also say something that Greg said um, that I'm just going to quickly touch on because, you know, I... Don't want to have to talk too fast so you guys can follow, but um, an illusion of control that happens. I'm an advocate, and I bring up this example that that the cyberbullying thing, that's a big thing for me, and so I want to use my one moment here to speak to that even when I grew up, there might have been one bully on a campus. We might have known who that was. If you think about it and stop where you are and remember your childhood, and you know, was there a bully and what was their name, you could probably think of that. Um, now you can get behind a screen and if you were never going to be a bully, you could still say something mean. And then maybe 20 other people who wouldn't even ever say anything mean, it's just not their style, but they liked what you said and, or 50 people or a hundred people. And all of a sudden somebody kills themselves. And so what Greg talked about with perception, perception, illusion, control, um, We've had many, many deaths in the way of cyberbullying, and I just have to look at those people. We wouldn't have record number bullies. It's just not what our world would be, but behind a screen, it all of a sudden, there's an illusion of power, and it's kind of fun, and it turns out bad. So I just, I kind of want you guys to stop and think about that, because that draws it to a tremendous impact. I want to say today... We talked about teens, we talked about identity, sexualization, cyber bubble, hyperconnectivity, a lot of stuff. We're going to continue to talk about things with teens, and Greg certainly mentioned ADHD, anxiety, ODD, depression, addiction. You know, what's happening to teens, and is it chemical? Is it necessary? Is it a reaction from something that could be an illusion or just a perception or just a way of life that we're creating as a society through a technology foundation. So I want to really tell you to tune in next week because these are things, if you are a teen or you know a teen, you you know know someone who's going through something, You know we want to tune in, we want to learn this, and it's just good to know in the world. Lindsay's life secret. So we have to work with attention and we have to work with intention when it comes to teens. So as grown-ups, this time flies by fast. And what a teen does and who they meet and who they perceive themselves to be, the identity they create, it lives on into their future. But you know what? That might not be a very welcoming place for them based on how that went and what they developed as a perception of themselves. But it could go differently. It could go really well. It can certainly go better. Maybe great. So, t- you know, what we have to think about is teens are our future, Teens are the future. We have to say that. Teens are the future. So it's our job as grown-ups to make sure we give them the chance at their future. And that sounds complex, but think about that. We, the grown-ups, have to give the teens the chance to have the future they deserve. And that takes paying attention. So get involved. Talk. Be real. Do not judge. And maybe really learn from your teen so you will know what to teach your teen. So that's my Lindsay Life secret. I'm going to say that next week we will continue part two of this series. And again, we are confused. I think we're very confused with looking at teenagers and even, again, you know, 18-year-olds, 19, 20, 21. I mean, through all these years, people are having a hard time launching. And, And so we're looking at this ADHD, depression, anxiety, um, all these different things, and it's very confusing to us as the grown-ups as well as the people going through the experience, for goodness sakes. So we have to make decisions. Should we medicate? Shouldn't we? How do we know? What are we looking for? Do we only medicate some people? And again, how do we identify what the reasons were that we chose? So Greg Newton 
As I mentioned, he runs a private practice in Danville, California. He is a licensed MFT. He has taught for 17 years at colleges, Diablo Valley, John F. Kennedy Universities. You know, he does this work with teens. He runs these groups. He is intimately involved in his relationship and connection to teaching these teens about themselves and to really relating to them for what they're going through. And so it's really fabulous. We can look around in the world and make a lot of judgments. They should put that phone down. What are they doing on Facebook? I don't like that. You know, we have a lot of opinions, but Greg is finger on the pulse of what that real community is experiencing, including the pain and suffering of a lot of those teens. And he's really leading the way to change, changing the world. Because if you're changing one life, you're changing the world. So I say hats off to Greg for sure for doing this work. And continue to say that whether you know a teen or you have a teen or you are a teen or whatever, we should just be learning this. It's a responsibility we all should learn is the information that Greg has to share with us. So as I said, he will be on next week, September 24th, and he will offer us more wisdom and guidance. And isn't that basically why we're here? The wisdom's great. Guidance is so necessary in what we need to pay attention to and what we can do about it. So please tune in. That's really important for me to say. As I always tell you, I know that you are busy people. If you're still listening to this show right now, you are busy and you're on still. So you're choosing something. You're making a choice to listen to Illuminating. Now you have many choices what to even do with your time at all. And you certainly have a lot of choices. If you pop the button to Voice America, oh my goodness, all the choices in the world come up. So, you know, to choose Illuminating now and to be part of this community is something that I offer tremendous gratitude for. And I always will. Please follow us on Facebook. That's Illuminating Now, all one word. Get involved. Start a thread. You can write me at qualityforlifecoaching.com and we can chat by phone, Skype. We can have a local session about anything, and I'm offering you a complimentary session, so take advantage of it. We could, we could you know, bounce anything around. I want you to make sure you took down Greg's site. That's gregnewtonmft.com. Very valuable, and you can talk to him, email him. He'll tell you what he can do for you via phone or Skype or anything that he might have to offer. And please check the net for some press releases that have gone out because there's a lot of hype about the show's growth. And that's you, the community, that's making that happen. I am Lindsay Levinson. I am your host here on Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Our guest has been Greg Newton. He's going to come back next week for part two. Teens, a new day, a better way. We've got to figure it out, right? So thanks to all of you for joining and have an amazing and important week. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Please join Lindsay Levinson again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 